welcome to the Strengthened by Stories podcast, where we come together as friends to connect and share our lives' experiences to ensure we know we're not alone on this journey we call life. Whether these experiences are anticipated or unexpected, we focus on how we can choose to be strengthened amidst the circumstances that come our way. Thanks for joining us as we share relatable stories that can bring awareness and comfort to everyday life. I'm Janica Segrist, and I hope you'll stick around to be strengthened by stories. Hey, welcome back. Tonight, we are going to be sharing the interview from Janae Chandler, and just a little bit about her. She is currently teaching family finance in the School of Family Life at Brigham Young University. She has also worked with the State of Education training teachers on personal finance education, and served on the board of several nonprofit organizations aimed at improving financial literacy in Utah. Janae and her husband, Josh, are the parents to four children, ages four to 12. And they enjoy traveling and riding bikes as a family. I'm excited to have her share some experiences with you tonight. So I'm going to turn the time over to Janae. I am Janae Chandler, and for the past 10 years, I have been involved in teaching personal finance. And I have just a couple of stories that I'd like to share that kind of revolve around money. Um, We're kind of getting into the new year, and we have goals of things that we want to accomplish. And sometimes money is part of that. Um, So my first story, so this is the um, poorest moment of my life. (laughs) Um, It's a story I kind of, I use in my class to illustrate um, cash management. And this was a bad example from my life, but I have always been um, someone who is pretty um, saving oriented and pretty meticulous with money. Um, But right after, so my husband and I had both been going to school and we, I was pregnant with my second daughter. So we already had our first daughter and my husband was studying for the bar exam. He's an attorney. And so we had been, we're just on the very um, fumes of our finances. We just really didn't have a whole lot of money. And he had started, so he took the bar exam and he had started working but he hadn't gotten his first paycheck yet. And we really, and, and I, um, being as fastidious as I am about money, I just went and paid the, the balance off on our credit card, knowing that in a few days he would get paid and we'd have cash again. But we were really down to nothing. And we, um, to kind of celebrate my husband completing his first week at his job, we were excited. We were going to take our little girl out for ice cream and we pulled up to the ice cream place and she's all excited and we're all excited and we hop out. And then I notice a sign on the door that said cash only. And it, I was kind of adding up what was in our checking account and I was adding up what this was going to cost. And I was really embarrassed to have to turn to my husband and say, we can't we can't, we have to leave. We can't afford this. We won't be able to, um, to pay for this. 
So we left and, you know, we kind of had to explain to our two-year-old what was going on. And I, I felt (laughs) awful. Like it was this, and I think we've like, these are moments, right. That we have in our life that, and I, that story taught me a lot about what I didn't want. Like I made a commitment at that point that this was the poorest I ever wanted to be in my life that I didn't want to be in that situation again. Obviously what I, Mm -hmm. my credit card wasn't due yet. I really should have just waited a couple of days (laughs) before I paid it off. (laughs) Um, So I learned a lot about cash management. Um, But that kind of set me on a path of, I had been studying finance um, in, uh, that's what my degree was in. Public finance was the emphasis of my master's degree. Um, But I really wanted to get involved in helping people. It was right during, it was right after the financial crisis in 2008. And I knew that a lot of people were suffering and their families were suffering because of things that were going on financially. Um, So that's kind of led me in the direction of getting involved in teaching about personal finance. And it's had a really big impact on my life. And I hope it's been positive for the people that I've taught. Um, I think that the second story I want to share is kind of an analogy that um, I I want to kind of introduce it by saying I feel like with finances, there are times when we feel like it's our family that's kind of dragging us down, right? Like we sometimes feel like, oh, if my spouse and I just were like naturally on the same page, if he didn't come from this kind of family and I didn't come from this kind of family, then that's when we would succeed financially or, (laughs) (laughs) right? That's a a real thing that happens. Um, Sorry, I'm laughing because me and my husband are very similar, but I still feel like, I mean, it's kind of hard because we are so similar too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, like that has anyway. its own challenges. No, that my husband and I are kind of like that. Like we're a little bit different, but in a lot of ways we grew up in very similar, like our parents with similar philosophies, but that is its own, like, I just, there's challenges to like running your financial life mm-hmm. with another person. <laughs> Um, Or we think, oh, it's because my kids are so expensive, right? Like we've been through a lot of different medical things in our family. And it's like, well, that's a lot of money. But when I start to think that, that it's, you know, it's, if, if this was, if I could just like wave a magic wand and get everybody on board with me, that's how this could work. Um, I think of this story from my mission. I served, um, a a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Switzerland. And so we rode trains a lot everywhere we went. And at one point it was, it was actually Thanksgiving day and we had some errands that we needed to run, but we had been invited over for Thanksgiving dinner at a member's house. Um, and I, at that point I was in a companionship with, there were three of us, we were a small, really small mission. And so often the sisters were in a group of three, if there was any odd numbers in the mission. And so that, and one of our companions was brand new to, to Switzerland. She was Hungarian and she came not speaking a lot of German 
and not speaking any English. And so my companion and I were helping her get used to being on her mission in Switzerland. So we had been in Zurich, which is the main city in Switzerland. It's the capital city. And um, we got the things done that we needed to. And we got back to the train station. And in the main train station in Zurich, there's a big giant board in the middle of the train station. And it will tell you where your train is at, like what um, platform it's at and what time it's leaving. So we looked up, we got there, we looked up at the board and our train that we always took back to our, our area was leaving in two minutes. But the problem is (laughs) it was on this platform that was like in kind of an accessory building of the train station. So it was like, we were going to have to run a distance that would normally take us, you know, 10 minutes to go. So okay. <laughs> exactly. So my, I look over at my two companions and we, I was like, are we going to go for this? And they all, we all agreed we're going to do it because we're just going to run. <laughs> it. So we are, you know, in our dresses and our nylons and our church shoes, you know, we're running across the train station and not being particularly refined um but we just really like we had dinner like scheduled with these people and we didn't want to let them down and this is the train we always took to get home and so we just ran for it and we were so excited when we got to that area we could see that our train had not left yet and we're just running and as we get onto the platform the train starts to move it starts like kind of slowly inching away but I know that if we just you know really put some effort into it we can jump up onto the train so I jump up I'm I I grab onto the you know the little handle and pull myself up onto the train car and I look back and so thankful that my brand new companion from Hungary also got on the train um, because it would have been a disaster had she not but our third companion, Sister Larson, did not make it on the train. So, oh. yeah, we're like, and this is not an era of cell phones, right? Like, we don't, I have no idea what we're going to do. So, I, you know, I find my companion, my first companion, and we are in our very broken way of communicating, are trying to make a plan of what should we do? Like, should we get off at the next? the next train station and then head back and hopefully catch her before she goes anywhere else. Um, Or should we continue on home and hope that she has called us and left a message with knowing what to do. We were like, it was just, we hadn't made a plan B. (laughs) We were just gonna, (laughs) we were just gonna go. So we decided the best yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> we thought that the best, and yeah, it, I mean, we gotta go. It, we gotta go. And I mean, the, I mean, as a missionary, you're not supposed to be alone. And thankfully the two of us weren't alone. And I'm grateful that my companion <laughs> who didn't speak German or English wasn't alone. And sister Larson was very resourceful. I knew she could figure it out. We just didn't know how we were going to meet back up. So we, but we made the decision. We're going to go home to our apartment hope that she had called us and left a message and then just wait for her there. So we, we did that. We got home, but there was no message from her 
on what and it, you know it was probably a half an hour that we were on the train there was a lot of time for her to you know it was probably even longer than that but there was plenty of time for her to have called us so we were like now what do we do do we wait around here what are we you know what's gonna we just were sort of lost because there's no way for us to call her so we decided when the time came for us to go to the member family's house for dinner for Thanksgiving dinner that they had prepared for us we decided to go and just you know we didn't we just decided to do that anyway so we showed up there (laughs) and it turned out sister Larson was already there she had been there Uh, like she she looked back at the this the the big board in the middle and there was actually another train that was going that got there in half the time. So she, so had we, had we just, it was such a learning lesson to me. Like it was really scary for me to have lost my companion. And it was scary to me to have like, what, what would have happened had we lost this brand new to the mission sister, it would have been a disaster. Um, And it was such a lesson to me that we don't need to be in such a hurry to, to, get there like the way that we think everything should go isn't always the fastest way and had we just so we made that commitment together that we weren't gonna do that again like we weren't we were only gonna catch the train if all of us could catch the train together and mm-hmm. and and that we would trust that the solution that we would find together was always going to be the better one yeah I like that and I feel like that really applies to our family and especially like when it comes to finance, but in so many areas, I think that, you know, I, I have students who will say, my, you know, I want to do this budgeting thing, or I want to cut back on spending or pay off our debt, but my spouse just isn't on board. What do I do? And they kind of, they, they have, because they're taking this class and they've gotten excited about managing their finances, um, I always advise them to wait and to be patient, that you feel like the fastest way to get there is to maybe push or to rush. But I think in our families, it really is best to get there together. And that doesn't mean you don't keep moving forward in positive ways. But I think we really need to trust that it's not like we're not going to get where we're trying to get in life despite our family. We're going to get there because of our family and that it's the lessons that we're going to learn as we work together and compromise and find solutions together, that that's really the goal of what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. I like that. I have to listen to that again and (laughs) take it to heart. (laughs) I know it's well it's a lesson I need to remember a lot of times myself I think there's always things we need to be reminded of over and over and that's okay yeah yep yep oh and we'll like maybe we'll kind of get it down in one area of our life and then we find oh I actually have this other area of my life where I need to learn that again or practice that again exactly so my final story is a little bit different than it's not super specifically finance related but it has taught me so many life lessons that I just keep learning so much from this experience and I think it's 
one of the most difficult things that I've experienced to this point in my life. And I am learning that it's really in those really, really difficult times that we, that's when we learn a lot of stuff. Um, so my <laughs> son was, um, he's four years old now, he's almost five. Um, but when he was just before, it was about two years ago, just before he turned three, he developed a really severe form of epilepsy. And it was totally a shock. It came out of nowhere because he had always been, you know, perfectly healthy and had no indication that this was going to come up in his life. But he, he had a seizure one day and then, so we called the neurologist to make an appointment and in the time it took for us to get an appointment, which, you know, was like, that was maybe like a Friday or a Thursday and then they didn't have appointment till the next week. So just like over the weekend, he had a dozen more seizures and seizures of all these different types that I had never seen before. Um, so by the time we got to the neurologist, it was clear that what he had was something really severe. Um, and as we learned, but they weren't exactly sure of his diagnosis right at the beginning. What there's a lot of, there's a couple of different types of epilepsy that can manifest in the way that his was manifesting and come on at the age that he was. So they had to do genetic testing and MRIs and a whole bunch of different things to sort of narrow it down to what it was. Um, but in that time when I was just really struggling to understand what my son had, I mean, it was some of the epilepsy one, there was only, there's only one. So most of the types of epilepsy that <laughs> manifest the way that my sons do are terrible. They are life altering, totally debilitating, and they're just a path of continual, um, decline over someone's life. But there was one type of epilepsy that had different outcomes. It had mixed outcomes. Some people had a lot of decline and some people were fine. And so we didn't know. Initially, they thought he has one of these other kinds that is not okay, that will not, that, you know, he will, that will eventually sort of take his life and yeah, and be very debilitating. Um, but so we were just fighting these. So he went on to have like, so he was having 10 seizures a day, then he was, you know, and so we got some medication and then he went to having 20 seizures a day and we switched to another medication and he was having 40 seizures a day. So like it was basically every 15 minutes, every half hour, wow. he was having a seizure during the day mm -hmm. and he was we were seeing a lot of decline. Like it was like the right side of his body. He was starting to drag it around. His speech was slurred. He, you know, some parts of the day, like he was just kind of zoned out. Like he wasn't really there. And he was like, it was terrifying to see my little boy slip away. And it was, and it, it required constant 
vigilance that, you know, someone had to be, because he could have a seizure at any moment, someone had to be pretty much hands on him at all times of the day. Um, which like with a newborn, you're kind of used to that, but a newborn doesn't have the mobility of like a three-year-old. So he's still wanting to run and yeah. jump and play and do the things he's used to as much as he could with the limitations he was facing, but he couldn't have a seizure at any moment. So we're, it was, it was emotionally difficult. It was physically really difficult. Yeah. I and during that time, I just, I just wanted so badly to have a healthy child. Like I would, you know, like I would look around and see other, like I would see little boys that were just healthy, normal little boys, like ones who were just maybe a little bit older than him. And it would just make my heart ache to see a healthy little boy because that's what I wanted so bad. I just wanted, I wanted him to be able to grow up to be a little boy. And it was so interesting to me because only a few months before that, I had a perfectly healthy boy that I totally took for granted. I didn't, you know, I, and my husband and I have always said, oh, we're just so grateful for that we all have good health, you know, because we did at that point, we had all had good health, but I didn't even understand the depth of what that meant, how, how, like, the, that could go away in a minute. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, you don't think about it until it happens. Yeah, for sure. And, um, and it was so interesting. I, I mean, I would wake up in the morning and just felt like I am living a nightmare. Like this is just like, I would, I would like wake up and for two minutes I would think, is my life really as bad as it feels? And then I'd be like, yeah, that really is that nightmare. I'm going to go do that nightmare again today. And I did that for months and it was clear that drugs were not going to be helpful to him. And we finally were able to meet with a specialist who was able to diagnose him after all of the genetic testing and the different things that they looked at said he does have the type that it's called do syndrome or doza that is the type that some people outgrow and he said that one of the most effective treatments for that is the ketogenic diet and that we especially since we had already tried two drugs that didn't work we should definitely give that a try And that turned out to be his miracle that he, we started doing this diet and he became seizure free. And so he went from having, you know, 40 plus seizures a day to having zero seizures a day. And now he's almost two years seizure free, still doing the diet and not taking any drugs and, it's been amazing. And I, and during the time when he was having those daily seizures, I just thought if only he could stop having seizures, I'd be happy forever. Like there's nothing, there's nothing that could possibly happen that would take, like, I would have such a level of happiness. I, I would realize because I'd faced this possibility of losing him and then to have him return to me, there's just, I would be on cloud nine. That's what I thought. I really thought that I would now yeah. for the rest of my life. And it does bring me great <laughs> happiness. But I have to say, 
I like real life comes back, you know, like it's yeah. not like, and I feel kind of un- ungrateful that I'm like, well, I got my, my biggest dream came true. My son is healthy. It could not have been a better outcome. He's so healthy and doing so well now at this point. And, and I sometimes forget to be as happy about it. It taught me a lot. One, it taught me about letting go of control. I was have been I don't know that I'm cured of this but I'm a fairly kind of controlling person I like to I like to plan everything out right like I I you know I before any big decision we make in our lives I just I want to know how every part of it is gonna go and I had to fight that whole time while my son was sick I had to fight the fact that I had no idea what the future was gonna look like our future could be one thing, our future could be another. And I really had to learn to just live for the day and say, well, today, I'm just going to make it through today. And the interesting thing about that is, although in lots of ways, it was a nightmare. I was tortured by the thought of the danger my son faced every day that he could fall and have a seizure at any moment. I also did not beat myself up as much as I do in my regular life that I just knew with confidence I had done everything I could possibly do today. Like I went to bed exhausted, but really content knowing there's nothing more that I could have done. And this is all. And it was kind of in a way like having that experience was such a gift that because that's not a a gift I give myself very often. I don't tell myself like you did everything you could today. Even now often go to bed saying, why didn't I get 10 more things done today? Yeah. Um, It's easier to notice those things sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Right. (laughs) I don't know why, (laughs) why do we do that to ourselves? Cause we did like, like no, no mother goes through a day without doing so many things, but we always, yeah, right? we always think we should have done 10 more things. <laughs> <laughs> but the biggest lesson I learned was that ha- like having returned to me the thing that I had wanted that I didn't know I wanted. That, so there's this idea that, of contentment. Like, and contentment is different than gratitude. Like gratitude is being grateful that for the, you know, recognizing I've got a lot of good things in my life, but contentment is like wanting what you already have, which is a slightly different feel. Like we all, Mm -hmm. I noticed this a lot with, and this is just because this is the framework I come from, but a lot of times we're a, a big problem we face in our financial life is overspending. Like, and it's sometimes when we're overspending, it's not for essential things. It's for, we're really buying for the pleasure of buying. That's, I think when we kind of get into, we can get into problems, especially when we're spending over what our income is. Um, But there, Mm -hmm. and we do it because there's this like pleasure that comes from having something new. Like it just, you know, we all know that feeling of like, look at this treasure I found, look at this new outfit or this new item to decorate my house. And it feels like excitement. Um, And contentment Mm -hmm. is a way to have that same feeling, but about things you already have. Like I, 
had a son and I had had a healthy child that I didn't realize. And I, I kind of needed it to be taken away from me for a period of time to realize how much I really desperately wanted that. I wanted that more than anything else in the world was to have a little boy who could just grow up. And it, the funny thing is I have now like such different expectations for him and his life that like, I just like, I'm just, his life is just such a gift to me. Like it, it's just amazing. Like whatever he can do is just amazing to me. That I'm like, like I remember one day I was, and it was, not that long after he became seizure free, we were standing in the dollar store aisle of the, like the toy section. And I was standing about 10 feet away from him. And I was just in awe. I was like, he can stand there all by himself yeah. without me. Like, like what mom of like a four-year-old is like, I'm so proud of my child. He can stand on his own. <laughs> but I was yeah. just so proud of that. I was just like, that's just so amazing. And I think that it was a big deal. It's a, it's a big deal that we don't, we would never think of. And I really feel strongly that contentment is the true path to financial freedom. I know that a lot of people teach that financial freedom is the byproduct of getting out of debt, you know, being debt free. If I, if you're debt free, then you will have financial freedom or then other people mm -hmm. feel like, well, if you have a certain net worth, that's when you'll achieve financial freedom. And I kind of think of it differently. I feel like financial freedom is available to you the minute you decide that you are enough and that you already have enough. And that even if that's imperfect, even if that's kind of not what you envisioned for your life at this moment, but the minute you decide this is enough, then you have financial freedom. And I feel like success with money comes because of those feelings that it's the, it's the accepting of your enough first that leads you down this path because then you don't have this empty pit that you're always trying to fill with material goods. Once you already say, mm -hmm. I'm good enough, that really just opens you up to saying, I'm enough. And so money is just a tool I get to use in my life. It's not something I'm using to try and prove that I'm enough to the world. That's awesome. So I think like we're setting New Year's goals at the, you know, we're kind of in that mode, a lot of us in the new year. Um, and I'd love to be a part of your new, like if one of your New Year's goals is to get your financial life in shape, I would love to be a part of that journey. We're going to be doing some fun things on my Instagram is Janae Talks Money. Um, I'm planning this year to, I haven't done this in the past. I experimented with a little bit in my class, um, sharing more of my personal, like real life, personal financial decisions. And I'm going to share more of that on Instagram in this coming year. We're going to do some fun things. So I'd love to have, sure. I'd love to have you join me over there. I've enjoyed following you for just little things. Like it just gives me a different perspective. <laughs> so that's always good. Yeah, that's, I, that's what I'm, I think that there's so, there's tons of advice out there. And obviously I love teaching about budgeting and I, you know, taxes and all kinds of fun stuff. But I do think that 
I love talking about like what does money mean and how does it function in your life and I am really hoping to give people just some new different ways to think about money yeah we all need that for sure right (laughs) definitely thanks so much Janae I really appreciate it if any of you have resolutions or things you're trying to strive to accomplish financially please go check her out her instagram handle is at janae talks money and i'm sure you will find some great information over there thanks for listening i will see you here next time